happy Enlightenment Day. May you delight in your awakened nature today and all days. Buddhist greeting card. Chosen Roshi mentioned that we do not know the day on of the Buddha's great awakening, but we do know based on information from the Pali Canon and other sources that it happened at pre-dawn after the Buddha sat through the three watches of the night. The Buddha sat up all night. Choosing a day to commemorate the event brings us together at the end of the year. It awakens our own determination. If we didn't have a day, we could just kind of forget about it. Oh yeah, the Buddha was awakened. That's why we have the, the tradition and all. But to choose a day brings us together at the end of the year. It awakens our own determination and reminds us that awakening is possible for all of us. And then gives us an excuse to put aside all of our other concerns and preoccupations as best we can to focus exclusively on practice awakening, which is what we are doing this week. I personally feel inspired sitting in this room with all of you in person and on Zoom. Living a life of practice at the monastery, this is a big deal. There are ebbs and flows in practice life for sure, but something is reinvigorated when so many people come together. There's like this feeling of possibility in the atmosphere here as we work together to stabilize and clarify the heart-mind, which is, of course, already clear and adamantine. I keep sitting with this image of Indra's net, which is an analogy that is often used to reveal interconnectedness. It's an image of a net, so you imagine a net, where at every intersection of string, there's a jewel. And the jewel reflects and contains all the other jewels. Each being in the cosmos is one of those jewels. And this net connects us with all other living beings, past, present, and future. And as each being moment to moment changes and moves, that jewel changes and moves, which affects all the other jewels, which are also changing and moving. When we don't see this web of interconnectedness, we think we are this one solitary jewel alone in the universe this jewel called me. And maybe we don't even see it as a jewel, maybe as a rock full of obscurations, all alone. And we need to protect this one isolated rock from all the more aggressive rocks. And we need to shine it and purify it and make it prettier than all the others. 
But as we begin to get glimpses of the net, this perspective of the single jewel me doesn't really make much sense. Thoughts come. We may recognize some, but some we don't. Images come, sensations arise and disappear. Meanwhile, this one life continues to evolve and expand just as it always has. Maybe the only place we have some say over in this life is where we place our attention or just attention itself. Practice helps us change perspective. Changing perspective is a function of where or how we're using attention. Changing perspective allows us to shift from that self-centered gravitational force, thoughts, mine, me, to the interconnected expanse. From my one small finite life to this one ceaseless life. Someone said at the end of October session during our closing circle, I know who it is, but I'm keeping them anonymous. I am beginning to feel less like it is my practice and more that it is just one practice that we are all doing together. Wow, that takes a lot of the burden. What if this isn't just your practice? What if it is one practice that we're all doing together? Perhaps all practitioners throughout space and time are engaged in this one practice right now. And we contribute to it every moment we redirect attention. We here have amplified for some time this one practice by gathering together in a finite space, even over Zoom. Dogen Zenji says, Enlightenment does not disturb the person just as the moon does not disturb the water. A person does not hinder enlightenment, just as a dewdrop does not hinder the moon in the sky. In the Zen tradition, we use myth and story as a means for connecting our lives to the life of awakening. We lean into the stories of the ancestors, Buddhas and Bodhisattvas to remind us of what it is like to live a life of practice awakening. To remind us that whatever obstacle, whatever obstacle, obstacle that we encounter, someone else too has faced that obstacle. And somehow, in some way, manage to make that obstacle part of their path. For all obstacles in the life of practice are part of the path of awakening 
perhaps you could say, our awakening itself. The stories of the ancestors are also presented as koans in the Zen tradition. And koans are invitations to sit inside this awakened universe. For they are individuals' experiences of the infinite. Words, keys, doors to possibility and promise of an unencumbered life, of a life truly lived. For it is through the immediacy of our lives, through the momentary instance, through the sweat, blood, tears, and shapes of this body, heart, and mind, that insight is realized, embodied, and offered. And Chosen Roshi has been sharing from the Buddha's life. You can think of the Buddha's life as koan, story, myth. And since today is the Rohatsu Day, December 8th, I want to share some parts of the story of the Buddha's awakening. So the first part I'd like to share is the part of the three watches of the night where the Buddha obtained or attained the three knowledges. So the Buddha was sitting through the night and at each watch he had a different realization about the nature of reality. And this is from the Pali Canon. This is the Buddha talking about his practice. When the mind was thus concentrated, purified, bright, unblemished, rid of defilement, pliant, malleable, steady, and attained to imperturbability. Note all of those adjectives. Concentrated, purified, bright, unblemished, rid of defilement, pliant, malleable, steady, and attained to imperturbability, I directed it to the knowledge of recollecting my past lives. I recollected my manifold past lives, one birth, two, five, ten, fifty, a hundred, a thousand, a hundred thousand, many eons of cosmic contraction, many eons of cosmic expansion, many eons of cosmic contraction and expansion. There I had such a name, belonged to such a clan, had such an appearance. Such was my food, such my experience of pleasure and pain, such the end of my life, passing away from that state, I re-arose there. There too I had such a name, belonged to such a clan, had such an appearance. Such was my food, such my experience of pleasure and pain, such the end of my life, passing away from that state, I re-arose here. Thus, I remembered my manifold past lives in their modes and details. This was the first knowledge I attained in the first watch of the night. Ignorance was destroyed, knowledge arose, darkness was destroyed, light arose, as happens in one who is heedful, ardent, and resolute. But the pleasant feeling that arose in this way did not invade my mind or remain. That was the first watch. Then the second watch, when the mind was thus 
concentrated, purified, bright, unblemished, rid of defilement, pliant, malleable, steady, and attained to imperturbability, I directed it to the knowledge of, pass of the passing away and reappearance of beings. I saw, by means of the divine eye, purified and surpassing the human, beings passing away and reappearing, and I discerned how they are inferior and superior, beautiful and ugly, fortunate and unfortunate, in accordance with their karma. These beings who were endowed with bad conduct of body, speech, and mind, who reviled the noble ones, held wrong views, and undertook actions under the influence of wrong views, with the breakup of the body after death, have reappeared in the plane of deprivation, the bad destination, the lower realms in hell. But these beings who are endowed with good conduct of body, speech, and mind, who did not revile the noble ones, who held right views and undertook actions under the influence of right views, with the breakup of the body after death, have reappeared in the good destinations in the heavenly world. Thus, by means of the divine eye, purified and surpassing the human, I saw beings passing away and reappearing, and I discerned how they are inferior, superior, beautiful and ugly, fortunate and unfortunate, in accordance with their kama. This was the second knowledge I attained in the second watch of the night. Ignorance was destroyed, knowledge arose, darkness was destroyed, light arose. As happens in one who is heedful, ardent and resolute, but the pleasant feeling that arose in this way did not invade my mind or remain. And then the third watch. When the mind was thus concentrated, purified, bright, unblemished, rid of defilement, pliant, malleable, steady, and attained to imperturbability, I directed it to the knowledge of the ending of mental fermentations. I discerned as it has come to be that this is stress. This is the origin of stress. This is the cessation of stress. This is the way leading to the cessation of stress. These are fermentations. This is the origin of fermentations. This is the cessation of fermentations. This is the way leading to the cessation of fermentations. My heart, thus knowing, thus seeing, was released from the fermentation of sensuality, released from the fermentation of becoming, released from the fermentation of ignorance. With release, there was the knowledge released. With release, there was the knowledge released. I discerned that birth is ended, the holy life fulfilled, the task done. There is nothing further for this world. This was the third knowledge I attained in the third watch of the night. Ignorance was destroyed, knowledge arose, darkness was destroyed, light arose, as happens in one who is heedful, ardent, and resolute. But the pleasant feeling that arose in this way did not invade my mind or remain. These are the three knowledges um, that the Buddha attained on their awakening. There's so much in those passages. It's the knowledge, so sometimes summed as, summarized as the knowledge of rebirth, kama, or karma, and nibbana, or the path. 
So first he saw his own karma, the causes and effects of actions that led to what he said, birth after birth after birth. And that's something we can see in Zazen. We see all of our past lives, even in this lifetime, our past selves, these moments flash up of who we used to be, what we used to think, what we used to believe. And sometimes we can see how those have influenced, have impacted who we are now. And then he saw um, knowledge into Kama. He saw how this has been happening for everyone, this continuous cycle of rebirth, of cause and effect, of believing thoughts and acting from those thoughts and then having... um, you know, receiving the, the, the karma or the effects of those actions and then living into those. And that's been happening for everyone all the time. And then he saw more subtly at the thought level how he could bring an end to the cycle of distress. He saw through the mental mechanism of belief and clinging that caused him to identify as a separate self and thereby perpetuate suffering. In this brief series of stanzas, the Buddha gives a lot of practice instruction. He says, when the mind was thus concentrated, purified, bright, unblemished, rid of defilement, pliant, malleable, steady, and attained to imperturbability, I directed it to the knowledge of the ending of mental fermentations. We concentrate the mind, and those are aspects of a concentrated mind. In Sashin, we concentrate the mind. Whatever practice you're doing, is a, you're bringing attention to present moment experience, letting go of mental formations, letting go of um, beliefs and agitation and coming back to present moment experience. Sure, thoughts arise in the present moment. Afflictions arise in the present moment, but we're not identifying with them in the same way. And this allows the mind to get more concentrated, single-pointed. And with that single-pointed focus, we can begin to look into the nature of thought, the nature of belief, the nature of experience be it a fixed belief or the sensation of fear or the sensation of clenching, wanting, or that sense of self. Also, in the Zen tradition, we have have the koans. So we concentrate the minds and then we can inquire into these fundamental questions. Who am I? What is this? What is behind everything, what is seen, felt, heard. During this um, Rohatsu session, many of the residents and myself have taken up one of our favorite Rohatsu practices of sitting into the night. Sitting into the night inspired by the Buddha's own practice of sitting through the watches of the night. In some traditions, there is an appreciation about the different energies that are available at different times of the day. 
So different practices are recommended to do at those various times. In Zen, at least the way I was trained, we throw ourselves wholeheartedly in and discover our own resourcefulness in the process. I think last night I tried every practice I ever learned. I have found over the years that making a commitment makes a big difference. We have a sheet out front of the cafeteria where people have committed to sitting up an extra hour each night or sitting up all night on Friday night. I've found that if I don't commit and hold a vague, well, we'll see how I feel, which was going to be my approach this session until Tom asked me to sit with them. I, but if I do that, I let myself open to all the Maras, all the thoughts about what I might need to do tomorrow and how I might feel or not feel tomorrow or how I might feel later in the week all the thoughts of what good zazen looks like or feels like, all the doubts about what is the point of sitting here restless at 11.30 at night when I could be in bed. But if I commit to staying with it, if I, if I recognize that this is all practice, all those sensations, all those thoughts have way less grab where they could easily send me to bed indignant and grumpy. If I commit to staying up, I commit to being with what is happening. Yeah, maybe at times I might go for a walk or drink some tea, but I am committing to stay with the night, which includes the restlessness, the doubt, the cold, the dream imagery, the breath that keeps disappearing, the zendo lights, the rain, and this practice. There are demons, there are second winds, there are moments of utter stillness, there is remembering what, it, what really matters. There is the complete inability to project the mind into a future where this isn't happening, and thus there is a simple surrender to this, 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 which might be the best part about doing yaza. I'm always surprised when I practice in the way that new resources of energy and wakefulness emerge. So maybe not at 1 a.m. or during early morning zazen, but maybe during orioki or late morning or work or some other time. Whatever feeling I am trying to avoid feeling usually doesn't arise in the way that I thought it would. Whatever feeling I am trying to avoid feeling usually doesn't arise in the way that I thought it would. And we all have different karma. So for some of us, it is a good stretch to actualize our vows for awakening by sitting up an extra hour. If you are young, if you have ordination vows, I would encourage you to consider your own edges and how to practice into them. For others, perhaps sitting a half hour after closing rounds each night is a way to physically engage with an edge or some other way. I don't know what's best for you, but I do know that there is support, tremendous support from the Sangha, from the Great Earth, the Zoomers, 
the forest, frogs, rain, and the morning star. There are other tellings of the Buddha's awakening. From the Dhammapada, he utters this simple poem. Through the round of many births, I roamed without reward, without rest, seeking the house builder. Painful is birth again and again. House builder, you're seen. You will not build a house again. All of your rafters broken, the ridge pole destroyed, gone to the unformed. The mind has come to the end of craving. And from the Zen tradition, we have this short story and utterance. The Buddha sat under the Bodhi tree. Upon seeing the morning star, they awakened. They declared, I, together with all beings and the great earth, awaken. I, together with all beings and the great earth, awaken. This is the Buddha's lion's roar. This is from um, Keza Zenji's record of the transmitting of the light. And I wanted to read his Taisho um, that goes with this koan. Get a flavor of Kazan's style. So the case, the Buddha sat under the Bodhi tree. Upon seeing the morning star, they awakened. They declared, I, together with all beings and the great earth, awaken. Taisho. The so-called I in the main case is not Shakyamuni Buddha. And Shakyamuni Buddha also comes from this I, I, together with all beings. Not only does Shakyamuni come from it, but the great earth and beings also come from it. Just as when a large net is taken up and all the many openings of the net are also taken up, when Shakyamuni Buddha was enlightened, the great earth and all beings were enlightened. Not just the great earth and beings, but all the Buddhas of past, future, and present were also enlightened. Since this is so, do not think it was just Shakyamuni Buddha who was enlightened. You must not see any Shakyamuni Buddha apart from the great earth and all beings. Even though mountains, rivers, and their myriad forms flourish in great abundance, none are left out of Gotama's eyeball. All of you here are also established in Gotama's eyeball. Gotama is another name for the Buddha. All of you right here are also established in Gotama's eyeball. Not only are you established in it, but rather it is enfolded within you. Also, Gotama's eyeball becomes the fleshy body. It becomes the whole body of each person standing like an 80,000 foot precipice in each. Therefore, do not think that from the past to the present, there was a bright eyeball and distinct people. You are Gotama's eyeball. Gotama is the entirety of each of you. If this is the way it is, what do you call this principle of enlightenment? Let me ask you, monks, does Gotama become enlightened with you or do you become enlightened with Gotama? 
If you say that you become enlightened with Gotama, or that Gotama becomes enlightened with you, this is not Gotama's enlightenment. Therefore, this is not the principle of enlightenment. If you want an intimate understanding of enlightenment, you should get rid of you and Gotama at once and quickly understand this matter of I. I is the great earth and beings, and I is the great earth and beings as and, and and is not I as the old fellow Gotama. Examine carefully, deliberate carefully, and clarify this I and this and. Even if you clarify the meaning of I, but you fail to clarify and, you lose the discerning I. This being so, I and and are neither identical nor different. Truthfully, your skin, flesh, bones, and marrow are totally and. The Lord of the house is I. It has nothing to do with skin, flesh, bones, and marrow, nor has it anything to do with the four elements or the five aggregates. Ultimately, if you wish to know the undying person in the hermitage, it is not something separate from this present skin bag. Thus, do not think of it as the great earth and beings. Although the seasons change and the mountains, rivers, and great earth are different over time, you should realize that because this is the old fellow Gautama's raising his eyebrows and blinking his eyes, all this is that body standing independently and openly within the myriad things. Therefore, practice fully and sufficiently, develop full mastery and clarify both Gautama's enlightenment and your own as well. You should figure it out by inspecting this case in detail. Let the answer flow from your heart without borrowing the words of former Buddhas or contemporaries. On the next day, we are setting aside time for explanations. I want you to present your understanding with a decisive word. Then he offers a verse. This mountain monk would like to say a few humble words about this case. Would you like to listen? A splendid branch issues from the old plum tree. In time, obstructing thorns flourish everywhere. In time, obstructing thorns flourish everywhere. Appreciated his test at the end. Tell me, when the Buddha awakened, were you awakened too? Or is this practice awakening we are doing together the practice awakening of all Buddhas? Is there a moment outside now? Is this Buddha, is this the Buddha seeing the morning star? Is this the Buddha seeing the morning star? The Buddha's ceaseless samadhi, yours, mine. If you're going to awaken, it will happen now. It will happen here. It will be when you're not thinking about it. How many morning stars have risen and set in your life in this single breath? We have countless moments every day to awaken. 
to return to our awakened life, this net of twinkling jewels. As a great contemporary Zen master once said, enlightenment is an accident. Practice makes us accident prone. And another teacher posited once while giving a Taisho in this room, can you tell the difference between someone who is awakened and someone who is practicing continuously? When nothing will do, what do you do? Perhaps the only choice we get to make in this life is the quality of our attention. What we give life to is a matter of attention. This can be quite subtle. There is one final story of the Buddha's awakening that I would like to share. This comes from the Sarvastivadin tradition. And this was an early sect, the Sarvastivadin was an early Buddhist sect established around the third century BCE, the King Ashoka era. And they were a very influential monastic sect in Northern India, known as one of the Abhidharma sects. And this is the story of the Buddha's wife's simultaneous awakening. Her name was Yosudara. Yosudara's path. Yosudara was Siddhartha Gautama's wife. In one of the less well-known stories about her life, Yosudara, the glorious one, and Siddhartha had been married in many previous lifetimes. The night that Siddhartha left home, Yosudara had eight dreams that foretold his awakening, and so she allowed him to leave her. They made love before he left, and their son, Rahula, was conceived. For the next six years, Yosudara remained pregnant with Rahula, and although she did not leave home, she traveled the same spiritual path and experienced the same difficulties as her husband, Siddhartha. She gave birth to Rahula, moon god, on the full moon night of the Buddha's enlightenment. She prophesied that Siddhartha had awakened and that he would return in six years. Later, she and her son Rahula both became part of the Buddhist Sangha. Sometimes awakening can be told through the elements of the hero's journey. This solo man rising up to meet the doubt in his heart mastering all the practices, conquering Mara, beating down, subduing the mind. And we too can find elements in our own life that have given rise to our own spiritual journey, to follow the call of the heart, to renounce, to subscribe to some form of discipline, to study and practice hard, and to feel the confidence that comes from mastery to affirm the transformations that are taking place. And so too, there is the mysterious. This aspect of the path represented by Yosudara, the feminine, which is always accompanying our more heroic conscious activities and realizations. Because always what we think we know about ourselves is only a tiny slice of what is actually happening.
there is always, too, what we can't story or explain or even justify. We try to name it and we lose it. There is the pregnant darkness that summons us into unknowing. There is sitting sometimes without knowing why, but perhaps to make space for that tiny, quiet voice within the heart to have its way with us. There is the faith to continue, to carry a question in the heart for six years, six decades, six generations, while continuing to respond to the duties and responsibilities of our lives. Whether you find yourself in the conscious, daylit world or in some kind of underworld, working a practice or letting the practice work you, sitting in bright, luminous awareness or darkening into unknowing, it's all the path. The pain, the doubt, the triumph, the fear, the opening to the fear, the resisting the fear, the awareness that you are resisting the fear, all of it. We discover our resourcefulness simply by being with ourselves, minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, sashin by sashin, lifetime by lifetime. May you let the morning star of each moment in, May you let yourself be transformed by it. May you you appreciate that you are part of this jeweled net. You are this jeweled net and all of its jewels, the great earth and all beings are your one complete magnificent life. You are not alone. We're in this together.